Jesus came to him and said, Thomas, see my hands on my side? What did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. Jesus spent 40 days giving many convincing proofs because you see, he did, he did rise. And it is important. It is essential to the good news. Verse 32, we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God fulfilled this promise to our children. God doesn't make promises and then not fulfill them. And he promised very clearly that he would raise his son from the dead. Jesus said it repeatedly. They're going to kill me. They're going to beat me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to crucify me. And on the third day, I will rise again. And he said that over and over. And then he did it. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we conclude our Easter celebration series of messages, and Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, The Good Shepherd That Rose from the Dead. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Have you found any flaw in this one we're celebrating? Jesus. His friends couldn't. They knew him best, and they ended up saying he was without sin. He committed no sin. He never even had deceit. He never put a spin on anything. No. He is the flawless one. He is the unblemished lamb of God. And I ask you today, I ask people this personally, uh, and and I give them not, not rhetorically like I am today, but personally, do you see, do you have any issue with Jesus? And I ask you that. And by the way, if you're here, and I appreciated Gary having us pray, because I know we're all... Uh, we were either once a skeptic or we are now, you know. And I'm glad you're here. No matter where you're at, where you're coming from, we're people who have found, we gather regularly because we've found Jesus Christ. But if you're here and you're still skeptical, you're thinking, I don't know about this. One thing I would just suggest to you is that not only look at this flawless one, but read the four accounts God gave us of his life. You say, well, I don't believe the Bible, Scott. I don't care. Read it as fiction. Read it as just literature. And all through history, authors have tried, even in fiction, to invent a perfect character. And it never works. Why? <laughs> because the flaw of the author comes through. So you've got somebody that's nice, but too nice. Or right, but too right, you know. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. And these four men, Matthew, a tax collector, Mark, a young friend of Peter, Luke, a medical doctor, and John, a commercial fisherman, let's just say they concocted this just for a second. And you can read it that way. You say, how did they do this? Four perfect pictures of a flawless human, human being. Well, I'll tell you how. They were writing about a flawless human being. And the Holy Spirit guided their hands so that they gave us flawless accounts of this one. And so I often ask people who are wondering, just take a look at it and just, you don't have to believe it, just read it. And I find, by the way, and you might be in this position, that very few in Portland in 2019 have read the four short biographies of Jesus. 
And if you have, you know what I'm talking about. It's an amazing thing in and of itself that these four diverse authors gave us four flawless accounts of a perfect unblemished one who is indeed the unblemished Lamb of God who laid his life down for us. Well, verse 29, though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they'd carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. By the way, hundreds of prophecies the Hebrew prophets wrote over the centuries, literally hundreds of this Messiah, detailed prophecies. And when it says there in verse 29, they carried out all that was written in the last 24 hours, the last 48 hours, at least 28 specific prophecies were fulfilled that were written a thousand years ago, many of them. Psalm 22 gives detailed description of this crucifixion and that the soldiers would gamble for his clothes. In fact, by the way, Psalm 22, David wrote a thousand years B.C., long before the Romans had even invented this most torturous execution method of crucifixion. And yet it's a vivid description. You see, nobody took his life from him. He laid it down on his own initiative. And God pre-wrote what was going to happen. And they fulfilled it by calling on Pilate to put him to death. Verse 30. But God... But God raised him from the dead. You know, I love those two words. I run into them often in the Bible because the Bible calls it like it is. And when you see the mess we're in and the detail of it, all of a sudden light penetrates when he says, but God. But God being rich in mercy. I love that passage in Ephesians. But now, apart from the law, Romans 3 Paul says, but God raised him from the dead. Paul was calling this out every town he went into. He'd met him. God raised him from the dead. Now, did he really rise? Yes. Does it really matter? Yes. These first century people were not casual about that. They weren't, you know, Portlanders. They weren't postmodern. Oh, that's cool if you think he did. That's cool. Yes, your truth. No. They said, in fact, the Bible says, if he didn't rise, we're of all men most to be pitied. That great chapter that I've been quoting and that Gary read from and that we've been thinking about, the Corinthian 15 chapter about the resurrection, actually raises the question, what if Christ didn't rise from the dead? You know, I've heard well-meaning Christians... Say, maybe you've thought these thoughts. You know, the Christian life is, is good. <laughs> it's what we were designed for. And so you, you find the blessings of knowing God and walking with him, and you might be tempted to say, this is good. And somebody says, well, it's not true. And you might be tempted to say, well, whether it's true or not, I, I, I enjoy this. And I've heard Christians say, whether, it even, whether it's even true, it's great to... You know, it doesn't really matter because it's so good. 
That's not how the Bible speaks. Corinthians 15 says, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, it doesn't say, but it's a nice lifestyle. You tell that by the, you might be able to make that float in Portland or Beaverton or Lake Oswego, you know, but, but try that in South Sudan or Saudi Arabia or a number of other places I could just point to like that, where to follow Christ is to take up your cross and perhaps be martyred for Christ. No, the Bible says if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we're believing a lie. We're of all men most to be pitied. But Christ did rise from the dead. It's one of the few places in the Bible where he will indulge that kind of unbelief and say, let's just play that out a minute. And it's right in the middle of this great victory. But he comes back very strong. Christ did rise from the dead. And Paul does too here. Look at verse 31. For many days he appeared to those who came to him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who now are his witnesses to the people. You know, the Scripture says that they were not gullible believers. <laughs> the women came to the tomb the first day of the week, and they were ready to anoint the body. That's not a pleasant deal to fix up the corpse. But they were blown away. <laughs> He's not here. And the angel said, why are you looking for the risen one among the dead? He's not here. He's alive. So they went to tell the guys, Peter and John and and the, Luke 24 says, when the women ran to tell the guys, they, these words appeared to them as nonsense. They were not, like sometimes Christians are characterized as, well, you guys just want to believe something so bad, you'll just believe it just to believe it. You know? No, they were skeptics. Thomas, when the other guys said, we've seen the Lord, Thomas, he said, I'm not going to believe it. Unless I put my hand, I'm going to put my finger right there. In the, I was there. I saw him die. I'm going to put my hand in his side or I will not believe. And you remember the story. Thomas, Jesus came to him and said, Thomas, see my hands and my side. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. Jesus spent 40 days giving many convincing proofs because, you see, he did, he did rise. And it is important. It is essential to the good news. Verse 32, we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God fulfilled this promise to our children. God doesn't make promises and then not fulfill them. And he promised very clearly that he would raise his son from the dead. Jesus said it repeatedly. They're going to kill me. They're going to beat me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to crucify me. And on the third day, I will rise again. And he said that over and over. And then he did it. Verse 33, God fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you're my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no more to to return to decay, he's spoken this way, I'll give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And Paul just had Scripture saturated in him. So he said, like the second Psalm, like Isaiah 55, like the 16th Psalm. Therefore, verse 35, he also says in another Psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. God had said, my Holy One, the Son of David, will not undergo decay. And David had written that. 
And Paul is up in Turkey. He's preaching this sermon, uh, what we'd call modern-day Turkey. And he says, you know, David died. And we have his grave. Look at verse 36. David, after he'd served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. They buried him in the royal cemetery there in Jerusalem. And Paul is up in Turkey and he's proclaiming this. Peter, on the first day of the church, used this same psalm and quoted it right there in Jerusalem. And he said the same thing. He said, you can look at David's tomb. It's right there. The royal cemetery. When good kings died, they buried him in the tombs of David. When bad kings died, sometimes they'd say, we buried him, but we didn't bury him in the royal cemetery. <laughs> you know. And when Nehemiah built the wall, they built the wall, and it says in Nehemiah 3, up to the point where they were restoring a portion of it and getting it ready, they restored it right up to the tomb of David. No, these are real places. And he could point at David's tomb, and he did. David died, and he underwent decay. But God's holy one, verse 37, he whom God raised did not undergo decay. He raised him up. Do you realize how good a news this is? Do I realize it? And if I got a phone call and said, Mr. Gilchrist, yes. That diagnosis that you've received, yes. That one about your malignancy, yes. That was the wrong person. You're clear. Whoa, you're kidding me. That's good news. This is good news. David died. The son of David died but did not undergo decay. God raised him up. And I would be remiss if I were to say, if I were to sort of leave the experience of death in the ICU room. Now, I told you what it's like, what I remember of it. And he wasn't my brother or son, though I loved Nathan and he loved Jesus and he's with Jesus. But it's been a marvel to me to watch from the ICU room the praise of God from Scott and Diane and Tim and the rest of the family through the memorial service day by day. And they would be the first to tell you, I'm sure. They would somewhat agree with Phil Knight. When do you get over this? Never. We don't make light of this. This, this is a real ripping away. But there's hope. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. And Tim said, I'll one day be singing with Nathan. And I've watched them. And I tell you, that's where when Phil kind of punctuated it. And I understand. when he said, when do you get over this? Never. Ever. I'm here to tell you. For the believer in Christ, the one who's been born into God's family, you don't say never, ever. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, my Bible tells me on the last page, He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There is victory. Death, where is your victory? The sting of death is gone. Death is real physically, 
But the second death has been defeated, and we are whisked right into the presence. Just like that guy on the cross, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so Paul went about proclaiming this, and look what he says, verse 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren. Let me summarize, he says. Let it be known to you that through him, through who? The risen Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. As we close, let me just underline those thoughts. When you come to Christ, when you come to God through Christ, His risen Son, our Savior, you are forgiven, verse 38. Can you imagine? A clean slate. How many of us would just say, oh, I would love that. When I think of what I've done, when I think of the defilement, when I think of the guilt, a clean slate? Forgiveness? Yes. Yes. A clean slate. And I tell you this, there's more. You say, how could there be more? Because if all it was was forgiveness, if I had a clean slate right now, I'd start to defile it before I got home for lunch. And so would you. <laughs> but praise God. That's why we've been looking in this series at how the truth sets us free. Look at verse 39. He doesn't stop with forgiveness. He says, and through him, everyone who believes is freed. The word there, literally justified. He's speaking of the freedom that comes when you are declared right with God. When you come to Christ, not only is your slate clean, and by the way, he forgave you all your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. He nailed them all to the cross, but he declared you right with God so that I can't mess it up, if you will, because we're well aware. And if you think Christians are those who never sin... Let me, let me clear it up for you. Christians are those who are forgiven of their sins, and Christians are being changed from the inside out, but we're not sitting here saying, well, we keep our nose clean. No, we're saying we have a Savior who cleansed us. He cleansed us. He forgave us, and He declared us right with God. Paul is done, really. He's proclaimed the resurrection and, but I want to ask this question. Does this mean everybody's forgiven? Everybody, like we tend to say, no matter what their life was, no matter what they believed, well, they're in a better place now. Is that the case? Look at verse 38 and 39 again. Through Him, everyone who believes is justified from all things, from which you could never be justified by the law, by any kind of merit-keeping. No wonder we sing in the songs, grace to grace, His amazing grace. It's for those who lay hold of Him by faith. Have you believed in Him? Can you say, my Savior scars, victorious? That's the key. Is He yours? Have you laid hold of Him? You say, Scott, I don't know if I'm worthy. Of, you're not worthy of Him. Neither was I. He came for sinners. And when you 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he saves you. He delivers you. He sets you free. And God now sees you in Christ. No wonder we celebrate. No wonder we can even quote the scripture and taunt death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. My life is just as secure as Jesus. And that's the amazing gospel that we announce every day of the week, really. And certainly every Lord's Day. And certainly on this great resurrection day. No better day than today. In fact, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Uh, the Bible teaches that when you hear this, and just put it off. A hardening sets in. And today, if as God's word has been opened, as we've sung, as we've celebrated this great resurrection, if today you hear his voice, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Today, if you hear his voice, the scripture says, don't harden your heart, but believe. And then tell me, or one of the other pastors, or the person who brought you. Tell someone about it. But I'll tell you, this is the victory we celebrate. Let's bow together. And as we are bowed before the Lord, if you sense that you want to make sure that Jesus is your Savior, that you can say, my Savior's scars victorious. My debt is paid. My chains are broken. Just tell him that in the quietness of this moment. Confess your sin to him and thank him that he died for your sin and put it away and rose again victorious. Oh, Father, how we thank you that we can come right into your presence because we come in Jesus' name. We come with no merit of our own. We come in the merit of your Son, Jesus. We plead not our worth, but your grace. Nothing that we can do but what you did. Oh, we thank you for the resurrection. And we will thank you throughout eternity. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Good Shepherd That Rose from the Dead, a message from our Easter celebration. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, 
same times and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.us. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to our new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.us. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. And he describes now just generally Christian character. And I want us to just look at verse 9 this morning because it says so much in just a brief statement. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Christian character. Genuine love on the one hand and uncompromising holiness on the other. That's the character of Christ. Genuine love. Join us again next time as we get back to our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a four-part message titled Christian Character from the 12th chapter of Romans. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you and have a blessed and happy Easter this Sunday.